welcome to creating wealth through passive apartment investing podcast in this show we will discuss about best and worst experiences about passive and active apartment investing and i am your host ramakrishna let's begin the show today's our guest is char satan from quattro capital welcome char yes hey rama thank you for having me on Yeah, thanks for being on the show. A little bit about Chad. Chad is the director of physicians and one of five managing partners of Quattro Capital, an investment firm focused on residential multifamily real estate such as apartment complexes, mobile home communities and mixed use commercial. Why we focus on helping our investors and partners live their best lives now. Real estate investing is by far the most powerful tool to achieve financial freedom today. Chad is a recovering engineer who spent most of his career in corporate america in space flight and aircraft before turning into a real estate investor with that chart would you like to add anything to your background no i think you hit it on the head rama i mean i, I am definitely a recovering uh, engineer as you put it and um very much you know seasoned corporate professional who discovered the light in uh, real estate investing and never looked back so <laughs> Awesome. So how did you get started into real estate and multifamily chart? Yeah, it's, it's kind of a funny story, Rama. So, you know, probably like like many other young corporate engineers, I looked down probably 5 years ago, you know, and uh you know my wife and I were both both making pretty good money and we were also spending a lot of money you know and so just realized we weren't really going anywhere financially speaking and that set me off on what I do I you know when I want to know something I go read and I in- investigate and I research and re- the the topic was how does one generate wealth in this country you know and the more that I studied the more I discovered the common denominator was some form of real estate. From there I discovered that there are active methods of investing and passive methods of investing and you know I was always a freedom of time type of passion and so that led into buy and hold single family and actually in parallel my family had actually had a small real estate portfolio for quite some time that I never really messed with till my grandfather passed away and at that time my bit one of my business partners Kim who is also my aunt stepped in and took over that family business so that the matriarch could grieve the the loss of her 50 year marriage right and not have to deal with the business so simultaneously we were learning and figuring out that gee there's there's quite a bit to this this real estate game and you know just with some equity or some sweat equity that i put into you know a property of my own and and generated quite a bit of profit and then the, you know with a similar repetitive concept that my aunt was it was uh putting into the family business and seeing the the incredible value add that you could put into real estate you know it really just made, made the light bulb go off for both of us and then as we were trying to grow and decide what what next you know i was actually trying to build a, a single family portfolio in the nashville tennessee area which if anyone has you know over the last 5 years seen the news at all from a market research perspective you know that nashville has been a pretty hot area but it just it was not feasible or, or practical to find single family real estate that wasn't priced so high that it made any type of rental real estate impossible right so that led to you know me sitting down with a friend and colleague of mine and and saying you know i know you invest in apartments how do you do it and why do you do it and he handed me this little book rama and it was called multifamily millions by a little guy named dave lindall you know pretty big name in the space and he said read this and come back when you're done and i i couldn't put it down rama i read that book 
And the next day went and sat down with him again. And I said, okay, what now? I'm hooked. You know, I, I see the big picture. I see how scalable this can be. Like it, it's not, you don't have to do, you know, 75 houses over 75 years, right? To, to reach financial freedom. You can, it takes the same amount of work to do a 10 unit deal as it does to do a 100 unit deal as it does to do a 200 unit deal, just bigger credentials that go along with it. So anyway, that uh, I was on the next plane to a boot camp in San Diego right after that and took my partner Kim with me and the rest is history. We've been, I think we bought five properties in our first year and never looked back. So Awesome. Awesome. Thanks for sharing that. And you worked as an aerospace engineer and also worked for corporate companies. So how that experience helping you in multifamily journey? Yeah, Rama, I, I don't regret anywhere that I've been. I mean, it taught me so much. And I think one of the biggest, I guess it's a compliment that our group has received is, you know, we're all somewhat seasoned from corporate America. You know, we both, we all have the investor mindset these days, but each one of us came from large companies like global IT consulting firms or global engineering firms or something like that. So we brought with us an element of, you know, just the corporate structure, not really the bureaucracy, but, you know, some of the, the world-class systems and processes and, and just things that you can use when you're building a company, right? I mean, we started out as real estate investors and, you know, a group of people that like to buy property together. And we soon had to develop, if we were going to scale in any meaningful way, we, we had to develop ourselves into a real estate company, you know? So I think having a lot of that experience of working in large matrixed organizations where not only do you have direct reports and kind of, you know, your direct line of command, if you will, you also have cross-functional relationships where, you know, going horizontally across the matrix, if you will, you have to learn to interact with people like that. So I think the biggest synergy I can draw there, you know, is knowing how to work with those in the vertical, which would be, let's say, you know, a deal sponsor or a mentee or something like that. And then knowing how to work with someone across the matrix, like a, you know, a, a lender, a, a property manager, a insurance agent, you know, people that you need to be able to influence to do what you need to do, but don't necessarily report to you, right? <laughs> you have no control over them. So I think, you know, those are really good experiences that I think came with us as a whole from, from corporate America. And then I think, you know, I mentioned I'm a recovering engineer. Well, it, it just so happens that I'm a little bit comfortable in a spreadsheet, right? <laughs> so, you know, myself, as well as one of my other partners tends to be kind of the more detail oriented, you know, financial analysis, due diligence, physical due diligence, you know, financial matters, people. And so, you know, having that ability to, to see numbers in a different way than most people and, you know, really have the ability to build out a financial model or go create something that doesn't exist, right? The, the engineering background definitely helps there, but isn't necessary. You know, it's just a, a leg up, I guess. Yeah. So, and what specific markets your group focusing and what is the reason? Yeah. So we have property in the Texas, the central Texas region, mainly there because that's where the, you know, our family portfolio started. And, and one of my other business partners, Aaron Hudson, that's part, who's also part of Quattro Capital, you know, she's got some property down in the Houston area. And then we've since been growing into the, if you kind of use the all roads lead to Paris mentality, right? If you stand in Nashville and you look in all directions from the interstates that leave from there, we haven't really 
really been successful in getting something that makes financial sense in Nashville yet. We are still working on that, but we are heavily invested in Knoxville, Tennessee, which is about two and a half hours down the road. And I call it a secondary of Nashville. We are working to get into the Chattanooga market. We are working to, to get into the Huntsville market because both are, for all practical purposes, Tennessee markets. Even though Huntsville's just over the line, I still consider it a Tennessee market. It behaves much in the same way. And and also Atlanta. You know, if you go just beyond Chattanooga into Atlanta, I mean, it's a very strong metro as well. The reason is mainly job growth. It's job security. It is low cost of doing business from a tax, a state tax perspective. So in general, there's a book that I'm sure you'll get to this later, but there's a book called Big Shifts Ahead. And it's a book written basically about the, the demographics of the U.S. today and over the last several years. And it kind of breaks generations into 10-year buckets, if you will. A little easier to understand than like, you know, the millennials, the Gen X, the Gen Y, because, you know, let's face it, the millennial who's who was just getting out of college a few years ago, is, it has nothing to do with a millennial who's, you know, 30-something with a kid, right? They're very different people and they make different decisions based on what world they came up in. So anyway, go read that book if you haven't already. Big Shifts Ahead is a great one. But my point is, when you look at the data from, from a book like that, it, it's really showing that, you know, I mean, your customers are your renters, right? Your, your residents. And, you know, rule number one of, of sales and marketing, right? You, you want to sell to a customer, to, to the biggest customer base. Well, people are moving in droves down to these cities that I've just mentioned, you know, and, and those general regions because of the temperate climate, the low cost of business and the new job opportunities that the companies are taking to those areas because of low cost of business. So those are just a few of the areas that we're playing and why. And I think the other important thing to mention is for the most part, we tend to shy away from coastal regions like the, the coastal Carolinas or the coastal parts of Texas or Florida even though there's some really good markets there, I really don't trust the insurance world right now. And so I try to stay away from anything flood or hurricane, you know, <laughs> but yeah, that's uh, pretty much where we are. Okay, great. So, and what is your acquisition strategy? Well, Rama, we do things a little bit differently at Quattro Capital. And the reason is we got tired of competing. Okay. We definitely still go after some of the bigger trophy assets or, you know, the 250 unit buildings every now and then when we, we really like one or think it makes sense. But, you know, we have found, you know, we, we got into this in one of the biggest bull markets in history, right? Especially from a real estate perspective. So trying to buy large multi family assets when the cap rates are becoming increasingly compressed down to the you know four and five ranges it just doesn't make sense especially not as a syndicator who is you know out there to generate a return for for his investors and himself right if you're going to start slicing up profits you you just the physics don't work you cannot pay as much or more than the competition is willing to do and, and sometimes that competition is you know they're, they're selling another asset they've got 30 million to, that they need to place or, or more and they don't care if they don't get a decent return for three or four years, right? As long as the, the fortune keeps growing over time. So it's getting tired of competing with that, we, that drove us to smaller assets. And we decided, look, we can, you know, we want to be bigger than single family and bigger than duplexes and quads. So we kind of, you know, we started going after things between 20 units and let's say 100 to 150. And the reason is it, the, the 100 to 150 is just big enough to, to support its own payroll. But the 20 to, let's say the 20 
to 80 unit range, I can go buy, if I go buy a 50 unit building, I'm immediately, as soon as I go under contract, I am looking for three more right around it, right? And case in point in, in Knoxville, Tennessee, you know, that was a great area where there is just a, it's a, there's a part of that city that has a, a really good rental population. And a lot of these 20 to 80 unit buildings that are quite frankly run by unsophisticated or uninstitutional owners, right? Or non-institutional owners, excuse me. And they just don't operate with the rigor that, that you can if you put some professional expertise behind it, right? So we really started buying, you know, some of these class B and C assets that are smaller that, you know, a lot of the big guys didn't want. You get them for a better cap rate, you get them with more meat on the bone and you go put three or four or five of them together. And before you know it, you've got 150 units inside of a three mile radius that you operate with an office out of one of them. And, you know, you've got your portfolio, right? So that, that's kind of been what we've been doing over time. And, you know, we're starting to get into some bigger assets now that the, the market is correcting a little bit, but it's not been for lack of ability to take them down. We just, we, we like value. It's not about the number of units. It's about value, right? Yep. So how are you managing your properties during COVID? Well, I'll say being proactive was probably one of our biggest strengths in the beginning. You know, when when things started going awry and, you know, strategies had to shift a little bit, we just decided, okay, we're not going to let our residents dictate the situation and we're not going to let them, you know, use what they see on TV as their individual strategy going forward, right? So we were very, very keen on communicating the options that our residents had. And, you know, we put together as many groups did, you know, we got on mastermind groups and we learned what other groups were doing and we, we put together these, you know, rent deferral plans and things like that. But the key was just to make sure people understood, you know, just because the news, people on the news are saying, you know, you don't have to be, or you can't be evicted for non-payment of rent rent right now. We needed to make sure they understood that, you know, we will work with you. I mean, we don't want to evict people when they're in their time of need, right? I mean, that is just not a humane thing to do. But at the same time, we're running a business. And if, you know, 80% of our tenants don't pay rent, we can't pay our mortgage. We can't pay our insurance. We can't pay our taxes. And then the, the property gets taken away. And that's not good for anybody because the bank will kick you out anyway, right? So, you know, it was very important to make sure that the residents understood that, look, in order for us to keep your home nice and to operate it and to, you know, keep all these amenities up that you enjoy, you have to pay your rent if you're physically able. And if not, we will, if you can prove that you have, you know, some sort of a hardship with COVID, here is, here are two or three options of rent deferral plans that will, you know, allow you to, you know, catch up over a 12 month period or something like that. But the, the key message there is rent is not forgiven. You know, it doesn't matter what hardship you're going through, rent is not forgiven. And by getting that message, you know, in instilled in a very non-threatening way and a very empathetic way of, of like, hey, we're here for you, but you still got to, we each have obligations. We're fulfilling ours. You need to fulfill yours, right? We really had a good experience so far with our residents. We had a couple that needed help, but it was just for a temporary time. They got back on their feet and they're caught up now, you know? So part of that help, you know, you mentioned that the markets were in. We also intentionally invest in landlord-friendly markets because, not because we're, you know, big on evicting people and kicking people out just because it's less likely that, you know, a group of residents are going to mutiny on you like happened in some of the other states around the country, right? People, they understand what the tenant landlord relationship
relationship should be. And you know, there's adequate protection for them, but also adequate protection for us, right? So yeah, it was all about communication, Rama. Yeah, thanks for sharing that. So would you share about your best apartment investing experience so far? Yeah, best one. You know, it's, it's hard to pick the best one, but I'm going to go back to, you know, everyone remembers their first kiss, right? I'm going to go back to the, the first one. And I, I think, uh, you know, this was probably a year after I started going to boot camps and things of that sort. You know, my partners and I, who are, we're still in business today, we bought a, we sourced and, and purchased a 35 unit 1980s asset that was, honestly, it was just so well built. From an engineering perspective, I I love that building because it, it was thoughtfully constructed by an architect for his own retirement plan, right? There was no corner cut. You know, the, the design was just beautiful from a maintainability perspective. I mean, they had huge chases between in the middle of the building that had all the mechanicals in it. I mean, it was a maintenance guy's dream. You know, it had uh, mansard and, and the flat roofs actually had about a two foot pitch on it. So it was more like a shed roof. I mean, you know, this, he just really thought of everything. And that building was really the first opportunity that I had to say, okay, here's what I underwrote and here's what we're doing. And the best part about it was it was low stress because we, we didn't take on investors to do it, Rama. We bought it ourselves. Right. We, we bought it, you know, amongst a team of four. At the time it was a team of four. Now it's a team of five. And so we, we really got to get our feet wet and make sure we knew what we were doing before we started working with private equity and having that extra obligation, right, to, to make sure we're paying a return. And so, you know, building all that up, I think my favorite experience in multifamily was that deal. And it was the first time that we, you know, we actually got the rent. You know, we, we went and spent some money on a unit and we rented the thing where we said we would, you know, and actually a bit higher than we said we would in, in the underwriting. And that was the feeling of, okay, we can do, you know. <laughs> Right. So any worst apartment investing experiences so far? Yeah. I mean, I've, I've had a couple of those and I know people are not as excited to talk about their their worst experiences, but you know, this one actually turned out okay. Uh, it turned out fairly well, but you know, we had a deal under contract and I actually just did a whole segment on this with the Multifamily Investor Nation podcast a few weeks ago, but we, we were purchasing 67 units in Knoxville, Tennessee, and you know, we were 12 days from close our you know we had about 200,000 hard on that project at that time I guess it was more like 150 at that time before the extension came and we were yeah we were 12 days from closing and we, we were you know at the commitment letter money was raised it was done right well that if you remember that day March 18th this year when the stock market collapsed you know due to the whole when the COVID issue was happening and subsequently the debt market seized up and you know basically our lender just exited the market. They, they could no longer hit their margin call and they, they didn't had no idea what to sell new loans for on the open market. They were a secondary lender. By the way, one nugget for everyone, I definitely encourage you to understand where your lender gets their money from, right? That was something we didn't know as well as we should have. Not that it would have changed our decision at the time, but you know, having gone through a situation of our lender walking away 12 days from closing, leaving us holding the bag, made it very apparent that we needed to understand more about how the debt 
debt market worked and and uh, what we you know what risk is associated with someone who doesn't carry a loan on their books they simply sell it off to the highest bidder and as an investment you know so anyway you know having that having lived through that that led to about I don't know 2016 hour days after that of you know talk to three lenders and three days and two days later they stopped lending talk to three more lenders two days later they stopped lending and it was just like chasing a boulder down a hill right so that was probably that portion of it was the worst experience because we had actually come to the realization that look you know the only lenders are left are the ones you have to pay three points and ten percent to and the deal just doesn't work there you know so we deemed it to be fiscally irresponsible to do the deal we were just going to take the loss and turn all of our investors equity and, and live to fight another day right so that was a pretty rough point and it was honestly completely out of our control which was the worst part about it but nonetheless we were just going to take the loss and, and live to fight another day fortunately the story has a happy ending we did close the deal uh, about five months later than we should have but we actually discovered you know on the last days of this deal you know, we had decided okay we're gonna make five more phone calls on the last day you know to anyone who we just haven't turned over a rock even you know even private lenders and if we can't get something reasonable we're gonna blow up the contract and be done and take the loss right yep Fortunately, we discovered a new type of lender, which I could do a whole nother segment on that, you know, it was a group called Pathway Lending, who is a CDFI lender. That's Charlie Dog, Foxtrot, Indigo, but it's a community direct financial institution. And they actually make subprime loans on, you know, heavy value add projects, basically because they're, they're taking money from banks, lending it to people like me who do this work, giving me incredible interest rates, incredible terms and high leverage. And the way they're able to do that is the banks, they get what's called Community Reinvestment Act or CRA credit from the state by doing. And so they, the bank gets a tax break on, you know, which is much more valuable than any old loan, right? They get a, a huge tax break. We get, you know, someone like Pathway gets a spread on that, on that money. And then we get a loan that is, you know, less susceptible to market condition, you know, such as the COVID pandemic. So anyway, we wound up closing with that loan and uh, it really, you know, it, it turned out to be better than the loan that we started with. I'll, I'll just leave it at that. Awesome. Thanks for sharing that. One advice that impacted you, Chad? One advice that impacted me. It's hard to pick one, Rama, you know? <laughs> I make them multiple. Yes, yes. It's, it's really tough to pick one. But I think I'd have to say it's from my current business coach, Trevor McGregor. You know, fantastic individual. He, he was ex-Tony Robbins guy for a long time. And he's become a, an incredibly respected coach in the real estate space. But he helped me understand the difference between green time and gold time. And I, so I've always been a super productive person, Rama. And... I didn't spend a lot of time wasted. What I was guilty of doing was spending, and I still fight this, I'm guilty of spending too much time in the, the high green area, which is, this is your money making time, right? This is this is the, the, the high impact efforts that lead to the highest return. But what I wasn't doing enough of was spending enough time in the gold time, which is where, you know, that, that's where life happens, right? That's your family, that's your friends, that's, that's playing golf, that, that's whatever your hobby is, you know, or just resting, you know? So I, I've actually improved the quality Quality of my green time by reducing the amount of it and increasing my gold time, right? And it, it makes you a happier person. So, you know, I think to, to, to take that one step further, you know, I think I saw a Facebook meme recently. It was it was like what you think success looks like. And it, I wish you could see my hands right now. It's a, a pie chart that is 100% hard work, right? And then you learn later through experience that 
what success actually looks like is an equally balanced pie chart of family and health and mindset and, you know, hard work and all that kind of stuff. Right. So I think it was just, that, that's probably the biggest piece of advice that's impacted me lately. So any one book that impacted your life? Yeah, I think my most recent favorite, it's kind of in the group of Rich Dad, Poor Dad and Richest Man in Babylon, but it's called The Honeybee. And it's written by, if you'd know the Jake and Gino guys, Jake Stenziano and Gino Barbero. Yeah. They wrote this book and it, it's kind of meant to be along those lines. But what was cool about it was it, it you know, I'm, I'm a good ways along this journey. So as I was reading and I was remembering like all these things that I'd gone through that they were talking about, you know, and, and this, this book is all about, you know, how you learn about assets and liabilities and eventually work your way to financial freedom and all that kind of stuff. Right. So it's one of those kind of books. It's a great mindset read, but you know, I remember I was about halfway through the book and I was like, Oh, well, well this is where I am right now. And then all of a sudden it was like, well, what's going to happen to me next? You know? <laughs> so it was like reading what my life could be like or what, what it could be if I make certain incorrect decisions, you know, and it was a very robust breed about, you know, not only your, your rich dad, poor dad concepts, but kind of the life that goes with it and, and what happens after you get that financial freedom and what happens after your business snowballs into this monstrous roaring stream, you know, and then talking about keeping, you know, you can get into multiple businesses, but maybe, but always make sure they support the, the mainstream. Like for example, if you're in multifamily syndication, perhaps you start a property management company. You probably don't go start a car company unless you're Elon Musk or something like that. Right. So um, yeah, that, that's the book. Okay. Awesome. So how are you giving back to community? You know, Quattro Capital is founded on, and that's kind of the, the reason for the name Quattro Capital, is founded on four pillars. You know, yet we have people, profit, property, and philanthropy. And the fourth pillar being philanthropy, you know, so we really think strongly of, of helping others with our, our times and or our time and treasures and knowledge. And, you know, it's wonderful to be able to take proceeds of an investment and, for example, send it with one of our partners over to Beirut, Lebanon, where that awful blast that was like, you know, registered the third largest in the world happened and go take that money and put it in the hands of the people who need it to rebuild, especially when the exchange rate between the US dollar and the local currency is so great, right? Or, you know, we, we love mentoring others and, and helping others realize, you know, their potential and, and their, you know, get on their path to financial freedom. So it's, it really comes back to, you know, the more time you have, the more you can give, the more treasures you have, the more you can give. And I mean, let's face it, all of us are chasing this dream of financial freedom, right? Financial freedom, you, you may think it looks like sitting on a beach 24-7. It doesn't. You can, even if you went, spent six months of your life like that, you know, lying on a beach, traveling the world or doing whatever, eventually you're going to come home and twiddle your thumbs and be like, well, now what? You know? And then you you really have this, this freedom of time and passion. And then you start to realize how big your heart is because then it's like, oh, I never went and tutored those kids, you know, because I always was too busy with my job or I never, you know, I never went and built that Habitat for Humanity house. And one of my other partners built a house in Nicaragua. I mean, she stood up on stage at one of the, the David Lindahl events, you know, when they were recognizing her for a closing. And she actually said, you know, what did you do when you celebrated? Well, I took part of the proceeds and I went and built the house. And she just felt, you know, compelled and said, you know, and I'll build three more for anyone who come and match me on this next one, you know? And so right there, you know, just using the platform and using the treasures that she'd been blessed with, went and built four houses for four families in need. You know, it's just, it's just incredible. 
incredible what you can do when you think about it. So awesome, awesome job. So how can listeners can connect with you, Chad? Yeah, two ways. So I mentioned you know, my partners and I are currently going through a formal merger to Quattro Capital. So there is a website up. It is the quattroway.com and that's Quattro, Q-U-A-T-T-R-O as in the, the Spanish word for for four, rather, the quattroway.com. And I'll give out my cell phone for your listeners as well. It's probably easier to reach me there over text message or something, but area code is 615-892-0250. Thank you, Chad. I really enjoyed the conversation. Yeah. Thanks, Rama. Thanks for having me. If you like the show, please subscribe, share, rate, and review. And if you want to connect with me, please send me a message, info at ushacapital.com. Thank you for listening. Creating Wealth Through Passive Apartment Investing Podcast. I hope you learned something from the show. See you in the next episode. Thank you. Any information provided from these shows are educational purpose only. As always, please consult with your own CPA, legal and financial advisor before investing. Thank you.